0: The Crisis Next Door, a weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world with host Jason Brooks. Thank you for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Iran's top nuclear scientist was recently assassinated, once again raising tensions in the volatile Middle East. With a new administration getting ready to take over the White House, Iran's response will be closely watched. Joining The Crisis Next Door to talk about these developments is Ali Reza Nader. Senior fellow at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. Ali, it's good to have you back on The Crisis Next Door.
1: My pleasure. Good talking to you.
0: Ali, how big of a setback is the assassination of Mohsen Fakhrazedi to Iran's nuclear ambitions?
1: His assassination is a pretty big setback for the regime in Iran. He was the regime's uh, top nuclear weapons expert, uh, he ran the nuclear weapons program. Uh, For a number of years, Uh, he was heavily guarded and um, he was really a target uh, of Israel in particular for years and years. It will be really hard to replace him uh, because uh, he really has probably the most in-depth knowledge of the nuclear weapons program, uh, more so than anybody else in Iran. And he also had the leadership and organizational skills. And his assassination I think also is really embarrassing uh, for the Islamic Republic in Iran. Uh, It goes to show that uh, the regime's uh, security apparatus has been uh, deeply penetrated. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see more actions uh, like his killing in the future.
0: You bring up two very interesting points and trying to figure out what is the bigger issue and setback for Iran. Is this is this losing the the knowledge and those organizational skills that Fakhrizetti had? Or is it the assassination and the symbol that it brings that he could be taken out so clearly in broad daylight in Iran? Uh,
1: I I think it's both Um, because. Because of uh, his unique expertise, it will be really hard to replace him. And this also sends a message to uh, other uh, experts and scientists and technicians uh, in the nuclear program that they can be easily targeted. Um, A number of other uh, Iranian scientists uh, have been assassinated uh, in the past. And... um, the factories of the killing, however, shows that even the regime's top uh, experts and officials uh, can be targeted within Iran. This is the first time such a high-profile target has been killed in Iran. Uh, you know, If we look at you know, Qasem Soleimani's killing, for example, he was the head of the Revolutionary Guard Specialized Quotes Force. That was conducted in Iraq, whereas Fakhizadeh was killed in Tehran, the capital. So uh, everybody is wondering uh, in Iran whether they could be targeted. And there have been reports uh, of the regime telling other senior officials to stay at home as much as possible because their security cannot be guaranteed.
0: Tehran is blaming Israel for the assassination. Israel has not Laid claim to this, although it does bear the hallmarks of other hits that Israel has done throughout the Middle East. Do you expect Iran to retaliate in some way,
1: rather either directly or through its various proxies? In the past, the regime uh, has conducted terrorist attacks against Israeli and U.S. targets and uh, directed its proxies, for example, in Iraq to target U.S. forces in retaliation. Uh, for what it sees to be attacks against its interests. Uh, At this time, I think the regime is in a very tough spot um, because it desperately has to negotiate with the incoming Biden administration. It desperately needs sanctions relief um, and wants the United States to go back into the nuclear Agreement uh, that President Trump withdrew from, and so if the regime does retaliate, um, this could really upset its strategy of going in, back into negotiations and um, the United States, the Trump administration knows this, and that's why uh, we see really a ramping up pressure of pressure against the regime. Uh, before uh, Biden's inaugurated uh, January 20th. Um, A n- number of new sanctions have been imposed against the regime and uh, its critical nuclear infrastructure and perhaps other infrastructure have been also targeted but by uh, what we believe to be uh, the Israeli intelligence um, and cyber services. Uh, so... I wouldn't be really surprised if we see uh, even bigger attacks in the future um, uh, from Israel against Iran's uh, nuclear facilities at Natanz, which was already attacked last year. Uh, and there may be other assassinations as well. Um, with the understanding that it's going to be really hard for the regime to sh- strike back because of the nuclear negotiations. and. Uh, The fact that this regime is really on its knees, Uh, it's, it's suffering economically, it's deeply unpopular at home, and is facing revolts, not only in Iran, but throughout the region.
0: And how effective have those U.S. sanctions been against Iran? Obviously, the economy is feeling that pain right now. Just how bad is it in Iran for the average Iranian?
1: The regime has definitely been uh, hit very hard by sanctions. Uh, Oil exports are at a historic low. Um, The currency, the real, has depreciated greatly uh, in the past year, especially. And unfortunately, because of the regime's actions, the average Iranian is also suffering uh, quite a bit. And because of these pressures, Uh, Public dissatisfaction with the regime is sky high right now. Uh, In November uh, of last year, um, we saw a major uprising in Iran uh, throughout the country, and regime officials are deeply worried that uh, the people will come to the streets and there will be even a bigger revolt in the future. This is something they talk about uh, very regularly um and so that's why i think that they are desperate desperate to go into nuclear negotiations and uh, the biden administration really should take advantage of that because it has uh, a lot of re- leverage over the regime going into these negotiations it shouldn't go back into the nuclear agreement automatically without um getting uh, more things out of the regime, not just on the nuclear issue, but also uh, the regime's expansionist policies in the Middle East. And it's really terrible human rights abuses. I really do think after North Korea, Iran uh, is one of the most oppressive regimes on Earth. And this is not something any U.S. administration should ignore.
0: And you mentioned, and I want to get back to the the impact of the Biden White House on relations with Iran, but you also did mention uh, new sanctions. The U.S. House passed a resolution condemning Iran's state-sponsored persecution of its Baha'i minority. Uh, Is this more than just lofty, noble words on paper? Can this actually do something for those minorities in Iran?
1: I think uh, these sort of resolutions are effective. They signal to the regime that It's oppression of the Iranian people, especially religious minorities, is not going to be ignored uh, for the sake of the nuclear issue. Um, I'm not confident that the Biden administration will prioritize human rights in Iran. Uh, During the Obama administration, this was an issue that was completely ignored in favor of striking a nuclear agreement. Uh, I think that's very, very short-sighted for the U.S., to ignore the plight of 83 million Iranians, 83 million people in a very strategically important country that is um, that could go tremendous changes in the future. And so I, I think uh, the resolution on the Baha'is is very important uh, and it should be really backed up by firmer action uh, by the Biden by the administration. Human rights should be a central focus of Biden's foreign policy toward Iran, uh, especially since uh, Biden has said that he wants to pursue a foreign policy based on values and principles. If you're going to have this sort of foreign policy, how can you uh, ignore uh, thousands of Iranians who were killed last year, for example? Um, I I barely heard a a peep from um, democratic politicians on this issue. And so I think uh, the Biden administration risk uh, looking very hypocritical um, when it comes to Iran if it doesn't follow through on its uh, promises on human rights.
0: You're listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks, and we're talking about the assassination of Iran's top nuclear scientist with Ali Nader, senior fellow at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. Joe Biden has said he wants to return to the 2015 nuclear deal reached with Tehran under the Obama administration. Does that mean that it would be an easier time for Iran without Trump's maximum pressure campaign?
1: I think the negotiations are going to be very difficult uh, because five years has uh, passed since the the signing of the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, uh, or the nuclear agreement. A lot in Iran has changed. A lot in the Middle East has changed. And the world is a very different place. Um, and, uh, importantly, uh, some of the sunset clauses of the agreement have also, uh, ended, uh, for example, the arms embargo against Iran ended, and it's not clear how the Biden administration, uh, seeks to enforce, uh, the arms embargo, for example. So I, I don't believe that, um, a simple re entry into the agreement, um, is in U.S. interest, I think it would be a huge mistake actually to pretend that nothing has really happened in the last five years. We can't just go to the Obama era. Uh, Things have changed very drastically. And uh, the Middle East has also changed drastically as well. Um, we have the Abrahamic Accords between Israel on one hand and uh, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Sudan on the other. Uh, the Arab world is moving closer to Israel, and Israel and the Arab world are going to be very united uh, against the JCPOA if the Biden administration doesn't renegotiate it. And there will also be, I think, tremendous uh, pressure, not just from Republicans, but also in Democrats, especially In Congress if Biden just wants to go back into the agreement without uh, any sort of, um, you know, getting more out of the regime on the issues I mentioned, Uh, because the U.S. does have tremendous leverage, and um, whether you, you like or dislike President Trump, his administration has provided the Biden administration more leverage on this issue, and it should be used.
0: You mentioned the Israeli peace agreements with the UAE and Bahrain. Uh, Is Iran worried about getting boxed in? And and what do you think it will do to that?
1: The Abrahamic Accords are terrible news for Iran's dictator Ayatollah Khamenei. He has based Iran's foreign policies on this idea of, uh, quote unquote, resistance to uh, Israel and the United States across the Middle East. and. This policy of resistance has uh, been demonstrated to be a complete disaster, a complete disaster for the Iranian people and the region as well. If we look at areas where the regime is paramount and uh, has a lot of sway, like Iran of course, but also Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, uh, these countries are doing very poorly. Uh, Their economies are collapsing. Their citizens are on the edge of starvation. And uh, on the other hand, uh, we see uh, technologically advanced and economically advanced countries like Israel and the UAE moving ahead. And I think for the people of the region, um, if they look at these two models, of course, they're not going to be happy with the resistance model because it's brought them devastation. Um, So I think the Abrahamic Accords uh, demonstrate that um, the Islamic Republic in Iran is a failed system, and it really has no future.
0: Reuters is reporting that the U.S. is planning to impose terrorism-related sanctions on Hassan Erlu. That's Iran's ambassador to the Houthis. And The Houthis believe to be responsible for a couple of attacks on Saudi oil facilities including the fairly damaging attack in September of 2019. But Riyadh has refrained from retaliation, presumably at the request of the U.S. But do you think there is a limit to the Saudis' patience? And is Iran, by way of the Houthis, hoping to reach that breaking point? Would Iran want a war with Saudi
1: Arabia? I don't think Saudi Arabia or Iran want a direct confrontation because it would be uh, Costly, and they've uh, f- been fighting their conflict through proxy, especially uh, in places like Yemen. Um, and Saudi Arabia may not have ret- retaliated directly for the attack by Iran, um, but uh, Iran has faced a lot of pressure and attacks uh, by other foes, such as the United States and Israel. So I don't think that attack has ne- necessarily gone unanswered. Um, If um, there should be a new nuclear agreement, if the United States uh, goes back into negotiations with Iran, uh, the conflict in Yemen is going to be a major sticking point. And I think um, this is something that Iran has to compromise on. Uh, Both sides have to compromise on. But if Iran intends to uh, continue supporting the Houthis by providing them um, arms and advanced missiles to target uh, Saudi um, oil fields and other critical infrastructure. I think this is going to be a major hurdle uh, for reaching a new agreement with Iran or going back into JCPOA. These regional issues have to be resolved. The Biden administration uh, can't just prioritize a nuclear agreement um, at the expense of everything else going on in the Middle East. It's going to be a big problem uh, for its allies, uh, like Saudi Arabia and Israel, if it takes that approach. And this is what happened with the Obama administration. Uh, The Obama administration uh, chose to ignore the regional issues and it paid a price for it.
0: And one other key regional issue, Iran continues to help prop up the Assad regime in Syria, fund Hezbollah in Lebanon, and with those strains, how big of an impact is it on Iran's military and treasury from those commitments?
1: The conflict in Syria has been a huge drain on Iranian resources. Uh, Iranian officials have admitted to spending as much as $30 billion on the Syria conflict. Uh, the number could be much higher, but this is not something the regime can really afford. Um because it doesn't really have the money to prop up the Assad regime in Syria and Hezbollah in Lebanon and its various proxies in Iraq. And the regime's expenditures in the region are a major uh, cause of rebellion inside Iran. And if we look at demonstrations in Iran against the regime in the past three years, many of, uh, of the these demonstrations have uh, featured calls for the regime to stop its support for Assad and these other groups to stop spending Iranian money on conflict in the Middle East while Iranians are going hungry. This is not a sustainable uh, policy for the regime in Iran to continue uh, to spend billions of dollars uh, on other countries while its citizens are going hungry.
0: Those massive demonstrations in Iran that we saw in 2018 and 2019 uh, raised a lot of speculation as to whether or not Iran would go through its own Arab Spring. That didn't happen. Uh, has that energy been squashed by the pandemic? Are there other reasons why it has not continued at that pace? Or are we not able to see it due to censorship of
1: any kind of media coming out of Iran? The COVID pandemic has uh, tempt, um uh, down the urge for demonstrations, most likely. Uh, but the regime has also created a huge climate of fear in Iran. Um, it killed at least 1,500 demonstrators in Iran in 2019. Uh, the number could be much higher, actually, the 1,500 uh, statistics comes from Reuters, but nobody really knows for sure. Uh, Thousands of Iranians have been jailed, tortured, executed. Um, The execution of the wrestler uh, Navid Afkari was also a message from the regime uh, to the Iranian people and the international community that it would um, resort to terror to stay in power. And I think Just Iranians are very afraid um, to come into the streets because they know uh, they will be killed. However, that doesn't mean uh, we won't see future unrest in Iran. Uh, The the vast majority of Iranians are just done with the Islamic Republic, uh, but they don't really know what to do about it because if they try to overthrow it, um, they'll be slaughtered. And... Uh, This will be the case, especially if the international community, especially if the United States chooses to ignore their plight uh, in the interest of uh, going back into a very flawed nuclear agreement.
0: Ali, do you think it is possible at all for Iranians to topple the regime without foreign intervention?
1: I do believe that uh, Iranians can topple this regime. Um, without getting um, extensive foreign help. Um, I think moral support is very important, uh, especially from the United States, so people know that they're not alone in this fight. And Iranians do really look uh, at the United States to uh, see which direction to go to. Uh, And I do think if the Biden administration eases pressure on the regime, and acts like that it needs to negotiate with the regime, that will really demoralize people in Iran. And it has been happening already. I hear a lot of people who uh, are upset at the thought of maximum pressure ending. Um, Even though they're getting hurt by it, they believe that that pressuring the Islamic Republic works and negotiating with it does not when it comes to issues of democracy and freedom in Iran. Uh, If we look at Iran, this is a country that has gone through several revolutions and revolts and insurgencies uh, in its modern history. Uh, You mentioned the revolt in 2019 and 2018, but Iran also experienced massive demonstrations in 2009 and 1999, and of course, the 1979 revolution. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, a very serious challenge to the regime, a very serious popular popular revolt against the regime in the future. It's just hard to pr- predict how it will come about. But I do really believe that um, Iranian society is so deeply frustrated that anything can uh, spark mass revolts like the one we saw in 2019
0: it will be very interesting to see the relationship develop between the biden white house and tehran over the next four years ollie thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us here on the crisis next door thank you for talking to me my pleasure we've been joined by ollie Nader, senior fellow at the foundation for the defense of democracies thanks for listening to the crisis next door i'm jason brooks till next time the Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com